Karen has been winning Street Fighter V major events left and right, and a significant portion of the community is calling her cheap. But is she really? Plus, Mortal Kombat 11's netcode is perhaps the best we've ever seen in a fighting game, ever. Shang Tsung's reveal trailer is an absolute home run. The vice president and creative director at Marvel Games tells us what the company is looking for when deciding on potential partners. The Japanese Samurai Showdown demo makes a big whoops. And we check the mailbag on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going, internet? I'm ready to, uh, to talk about some fighting games and stuff. All right, getting right into it. We uh, we had a member of our community who, who's definitely known for expressing himself and maybe not being as reserved as, as some other members, and that would be Brian F. Uh, calling out Punk a little bit after uh, Punk had won DreamHack and, I mean, yet another tournament here with Karen, and basically saying that Karen is kind of a, a cheap character uh, and kind of like, you know, whatever. And... and this really jumped out at both you and I because we feel like Karen's not really that cheap. I mean, she's really good. She's strong, like, right? And that that's like the, the big difference here is, to me, strong doesn't necessarily mean cheap. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know, how did it hit you when, when you first saw that? All right. Well, so I think there are two components to this conversation, one of which I'm interested in and the other one not so much, but it has to be addressed a little bit because it is linked to the meaty, important part of things. So the the, the lesser one, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of the drama that happened here between Punk and Brian F. Now, uh, so a little bit of backstory just to set things up. Um, Punk beats Brian F. at, uh, was it DreamHack over mm-hmm. the weekend? And then a tweet pops up from Brian F. that, that um, says that Karen is cheap. And uh, and Punk did after, uh, I don't know if it was after he won the whole thing or not. Uh, it does I guess it doesn't really matter. But he responded to that tweet being very upset. And, uh, and actually, I think Brian F. put out a poll at this point, right? Yeah, Asking if Karen is cheap. And so Punk responds to this. And, and Brian hadn't brought up Punk at all. But Punk responds to this, and he was he was livid. Uh, he was so mad that he forgot that punctuation existed, and it was kind of hard to read through his tweet. But he was uh, just going in on Brian, saying, you know, basically feeling like he was taking away from his victories and such, and and whatnot. And Brian said, "No, I think you're really good, but Karen is cheap." And and so uh, that I, that that's neither really here nor there. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that Brian put out this poll asking the community if they think Karen is cheap. And it came back 52% said no, but 48% said yes. And then there were a little over 2,000 responses. So and it was a little over 1,000 people that saw this and chose to engage in it and said, yes, I think that Karen is indeed cheap. 48% said yes. So that tells me that the community, at least a significant portion of the community, does view the character as cheap. And it makes total sense that they would because she's winning everything right now. Uh, It's specifically Punk that's winning everything with her right now. But whenever in the fighting game community, we're used to uh, seeing when a character has really good results, when when they're winning tournaments, when they're doing as well as punk's karen is doing right now it's usually because a character is indeed a little overpowered maybe a little too easy to to win with whatever they're they're you know broken um and and so it makes sense that people would immediately flock to that idea because it so often is the case but i do not think that that is the case with karen so to answer your question in the short i i agree i do not think that she is cheap and we can get into the details as to why we think that but i 
open the floor up to you for any further clarification before we dig into that part of things. Right. Uh, so, I mean, just to jump in and mention, uh, it was actually over 2,000 votes now, uh, almost 2,200 votes, and now it's like final, you know, the, the polls closed out. I don't think anyone can vote anymore. Uh, that's a, a significant portion of our community, you know, who, who follows this stuff like the they're very inside of baseball. You're like, is Karen a cheap character? You know, the people who care about it. It's not a huge audience, but, you know, it's out there, right? It's um, definitely something going around. Oh, and I'll, I'll also mention that at my Ranbats over the weekend, one of the top players here in Arizona said the exact same thing. And I think it was before Brian had posted the, the tweet. So I don't think he just seen that and was, was parroting. I think that, he you know, he's like, yeah, Karen's super cheap. And a handful of us immediately went, mm, I don't think so. But that just drives further the point home that the community is thinking about this right now. Exactly. And I and I, I do want to say this very close, like very much like near the start of our discussion here and say that this discussion does not happen in any way, shape or form, if you ask me, if Punk is not doing what he's doing. You know, oh, I agree. On a grand scale, right? I, this is the fact that Punk is amazing at Street Fighter V. Not good, like amazingly, like just fantastic. And that is what is the big separation here. And so, uh, you know, let's let's get right into it and say like why we think this is happening. And for me, um, I, I, I let me say like I just don't think that Karen's execution is low enough to make her like a completely dirty and cheap character. Like I'll throw out there like a bison player or a cami player or something like that, where those characters are pretty low on the execution stuff. They don't take a lot. Yeah, you need the reads, you need the reactions, you need all the normal stuff you need in a fighting game. But like for Karen to do this stuff, she's having to do very tight confirms. She's having to do very tight links on her combos. There's a bunch of other things she has to do to pull this off. Karen is probably like around a top five to top 10 execution character in this game. She is not a Monat. She's not a G, she's not Zeku. Um, those are top three, in my opinion. But beyond, she's not entirely removed from those characters, though. And again, you, you look at characters like Mika, uh, like I said, you know, Kami and Bison, and you go, eh, those characters don't take a lot of juice to, to play. And, and mm -hmm. that is inherently where the difference is, because when you're playing someone, and you see a high level of skill on display. You see that they are really working hard to do that versus tapping a couple buttons or doing something and hope it works. That's where the huge difference comes in with a character that's really cheap and dirty uh, versus a character that is very strong. That is the <clears throat> huge difference to me. So uh, I wrote an article on this. I think it went live last night. And uh, I looked up the definition of cheap, <laughs> which... Well, I looked up the definition of cheap, and it's a fairly versatile word. It's got a handful of definitions. But the one that I think it's very clear that the FGC is using when they talk about a character being cheap is uh, the third one that pops up on Merriam-Webster here. And it says, gained or done with little effort, mm. right? And, and that's kind of the, the gist of it. If it's talking about money, it's charged, charging or obtainable at a low price. But it really certainly gets back to um, when, when you're saying cheap, I think what people are, are actually saying or, or talking about is a, is a risk-reward. And it's like gained or done with little effort. Well, it's risk-reward and it's work-reward. Two different things, and I think that they both play into here. It's how much risk do you have to take to get the reward and how much work do you have to do to get the reward. And if you're not earning it, that's when people say, well, then you're kind of cheap because you're getting too much for not having to do enough or risk enough. And... It's, it's very, very common that in fighting games, just look over history, there are plenty of examples of characters that are indeed cheap, and when that's the case, they do indeed float to the top many times. I think Karen is um, an example of a character that actually does require 
uh, plenty of risk or, or I guess aversion to risk. You can't just play and just do the thing and not care if it hits or not. She has to confirm. She has a very small, like, a few frame window to confirm whether or not one of her attacks hit and then cancel that into a just frame special move and then continue playing from there. Yeah, and she's she's unsafe. That's fully punishable if, mm-hmm. for by most characters, I would assume. But uh, I'm, yeah. Uh, that's, right. You're getting punished if you miss that. That is a huge deal. And, and the fact that you have to do that consistently throughout the match with everything going on that's happening in a match, like, the more pressure you have on you, the more difficult your confirms get, the more difficult your execution gets. Nerves is very much a thing in every fighting game and, and is usually the biggest reason why you see drop combos are, you know, the mental guard breaks and everything like that. And and the fact that you can keep your composure and keep doing that with that high of a character, that's why, again, I'm, I'm very adamant that high execution characters need to be kind of a bit better than, than most other cast members because you have to have that reward for playing them, right? Exactly. We're pursuing that balance, right? Right. So now um, another way of looking at this, though, is to take a character that I think we all do agree is or at least was cheap um, with Abigail in season three, because we saw plenty of examples for this. This is something that resonates with most everyone that's been watching Street Fighter for any length of time. Right. And so you think about, OK, an Abigail comeback in a Capcom Pro Tour event where Abigail does his uh, his role, cancels into V-Trigger, at that point doesn't care if it hits or not because he gets a 50-50 after this. Goes into that 50-50. If it works, he's lopped off half of your life and he's got Oki for another situation. And if that one works, he wins. That happened a lot of times. It was very hype. It was exciting because it was a total swing. But if you think about the moments after that happens and you're in the crowd and you look over to your partner or to your, to your neighbor rather, the, the exchange that happens there is something that where one person kind of does this wry little smile to the other, and that smile usually says something along the lines of, that was some BS. Uh, we've both been there before. We know how salty the loser is right now. And there's an implication of a sense of uh, a bit of injustice mm-hmm. in that. And it's like, oh, man, he got away with it. <laughs> now, now, that's because that's kind of cheap. Now, when you look at what Punk does, people celebrate celebrate the crap out of Punk when he does what he does. When he's doing these, uh, I mean, even in the Brian F. Uh, bout that he had at DreamHack, I think it was, he does like a super, like six frames after reaction of, of Brian F. doing a dash straight, and everyone just loses their mind. Uh, Ultra David, who's commentating in the moment, goes, I feel bad for Brian right now. I'm just like, I'm frustrated for him because Punk is so amazing. The reaction isn't to look at each other and kind of smile and say he got away with some stuff right there. It's to take a knee and go, I'm not worthy because what Punk is doing, we we can see it's like it takes tact, it takes uh, uh, skill, it takes perfect attention and execution, and he's doing it on the grand stage in grand finals against Momochi and against Tokido and against whoever, right? So there's a big difference between, you know, something that's, I would say, cheap, like a like a Urian season two V-trigger mix-up to end the game, you know, a robbery character kind of situation, and what Karen is doing. And um, and the other thing... Well, let, let me jump in there be, before you move on. And, and I agree with you, but I do want to say for, for people listening that 
every character who's really good has some cheap stuff going on. And you look at Karen's like, you know, a crouching medium kick into to Rekka's and she can either make it safe or go into her super at that point and do, you know, that it's infamous for saying the final attack and it's like, it always kills, right? Like, because it, it, it's going to lop off like 500,000 damage on, on every mm-hmm. character in the game pretty much. That's kind of cheap and it doesn't take a lot of skill to confirm into that because again, you can either make it safe, you do whatever, you're just doing a meter-based attack. Um, so, Karen has cheap stuff too. Every character who's good, except for Vega, has cheap stuff. That is the way this game works. Um, it's how much cheap stuff do you have that you're getting by with, right? Like how much of your character is based on that robbery, kind of like brainless, like hope this works and, you know, kind of go for it type thing. I, I just want to throw that caveat in there. Yeah. And the other big component to this, uh, when you're analyzing how cheap a character is, is ease of use. And there are certainly plenty of Karens out there, whether it be online or in tournament, but how many Karens are winning and how many Karens are winning like Punk? Because you have Punk who's taken, I think it's three premier wins and then a second place at the other premier that he went to and then also a ranking win now. He is, get this, he is already mathematically qualified for Capcom Cup this year. Now that's from, I didn't do the math, Ace King Off Suit did the math, so if that's wrong, he's wrong, but I'm pretty sure that it's right. Uh, Steve um, is never wrong, so right, we, we right. know he's Steve's right. never been wrong. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, so, so uh, and, and he's like ridiculous i think he's like three times the oh points of tokido something like that maybe not quite that but it's it's ridiculous he's he's got a lot of points is my point and he's the only one now you have bonchan out there who's had decent success with karen we saw johnny who was good for at least a tournament and a half so far and and he certainly could come back and, and continue but neither of those guys who are kind of like the other shining examples of karen are, are anywhere near what punk is. So it's clear that you can't just sit down and roll your face on the controller and have the same things happen. There were a lot more successful Abigails across the board. There are a lot more successful Cammies and, and such than there are Karens that are doing what punk is doing with Karen. So that tells me also that you can't just sit down and win with this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I will jump in because this is a very respected player. And again, one of my favorite players, and that's Luffy. Um, he's chimed in and said that, like, look, Karen is bullcrap. And we've really tried to analyze why he has such like a strong opinion against Karen because very few people have that strong of opinion of the character being like that intense, right? And I personally feel when watching Mika players play, they're very susceptible to crouching uh, lows, you know, and and obviously Karen has a you know a crouching low that can lead into like fifty percent damage or more, you know, depending on how stocked up she is with meter, and and that specifically blows up a lot of the stuff that Mika likes to do, right? It's very quick, it's long reaching. Um, I feel like that is, I definitely know it's not a good matchup for for Mika, but I feel like it's actually a particularly bad matchup for her and uh, probably even a bad matchup for Luffy in particular. Uh, He really hates Karen with a passion that I have not seen from most other players and it's kind of shocking. And so I'm, one of the things I really want to illustrate here is that yeah, we're talking about it, and we're talking about it from like a general overall thing, but let's say you play Alex, right? And let's say Alex gets blown up by a lot of the stuff that Karen you know, does, and she doesn't have to think about it. Well, your perception on that's going to be very, very different than what you know, John's and I is, is here right now, and you know, many other people in the community, because you're going to be seeing a lot more of the garbage she can get away with, because um, she can get away with it against you and the character that you play. And that is a very big equation here. We, we definitely all live in our own vacuums here in the fighting game community to some extent right I mean we have so much experience with the characters that we play and so much knowledge of them it's like that that has to be a firm basis of what we base almost everything you know that we have on and 
again, if you if you really feel that, like you might think Karen is a lot more cheap than she is for most other people. Well, and here's the other thing. What we're saying right here, my my argument, right, with all of the stuff that I've come up with in that article and what I've said here about Karen being cheap is just my opinion, man. And it's just based on what I've seen. It's not a hard, fast, set in stone rule. You know, other people could come up and say, well, what about this thing that you haven't thought about? And mm-hmm. I go, well, maybe that's part of it. So, um, uh, like, go- kind of going back to this whole uh, Brian F. saying that she's cheap thing, it's like, well, hey, 48% of the, of, of you know, at least the people that voted in your Twitter pool, and I think that's a fairly good assessment of how the general community feels, do agree with you. So we should continue to have this conversation, and we should bring forward the evidence from both sides and try to get to where we... Um, both agree, but you know, just with, with what's in front of us and what we can see, and, and get the best view of this that we can. It doesn't mean that I'm 100% right over here. And um, that, you know, Brian, I think is getting a lot of flack for for saying this because, uh, well, I don't know, because drama on social media. I, I don't think that one, he he should, you know, we should have a conversation about it. We, it should be something that we talk about and we delve into, and always, you know, approach other people like they might have something. Uh, to say to you that you don't already know, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and but but he has been kind of pulling back a little bit and saying that well this was just all motivated by uh, by a conversation or kind of like a, a, a bet or something like that. No, that finish the quote, John. You know the quote. It was motivated by players. who? Bison players. You're damn bison right. Bison players. Freaking yeah, bison those damn players. dirty bison players. Right? <laughs> no, but but so here's the thing, and and he's kind of. At the end of the day, he further clarified, like, I was told, you know, or I was egged on to do this kind of a thing because of a situation I was in and trying to kind of like pass the buck a little bit. But he still says in that very tweet, uh, you know, talking about Karen being cheap, comma, which she is, comma. And and so it's like he's he's fully on board with this. He thinks that she's cheap. That's fine. And Brian F's a smart dude. I'd yeah. like to hear the yeah. specifics as to why he thinks this. And it's like so. um so yeah, I, I, this doesn't need to be a fight. It kind of started up with Twitter drama, and I think both uh, both people involved are just kind of being soft and, and weenies about it, and I mean, do what they will. But um, I would really hope that this doesn't just become like a the Karen's cheap camp versus the Karen's not cheap camp, and that you know just people decide they want to have an opinion and that's it. It's like let's talk, you know, let's figure it out together. Yeah, Brian F. is a smart dude, and in talking with him, I mean, it's very clear. Um, but some of his opinions are definitely, he he puts out there thoughts that are maybe incomplete sometimes and puts them out there pretty firmly, we'll just say, and, and that kind of gets him in hot water on some occasions. And, and so I get, like, the blowback from people on there. But, again, a very intelligent player who knows a lot of what he's doing and had a lot of success with a character who's gotten nerfed pretty heavily, you know, from season two. So, um Anyway, but oh, and uh-huh. on on that front, the idea of the characters changing, I think something we should add, and there is a, a bit of an argument, um, I guess you would say, against Punk that always comes up in this discussion, and that is that he was good in season two, by the way, when she like had more input lag, and then he wasn't. He had he had a lot of downtime where he was kind of on a character crisis, wasn't sure if it was going to work with Karen. Even when he did play Karen, he did better, but he certainly wasn't winning like he is or like he did in season two, taking down like 300 Pro Tour events in a row, you know. Um, But now he's doing it again. 
we've had the season four balance patch, and I think more importantly to Karen, we've had the input lag reduction. So now the game's down around four frames, and that's you know that's everything when it comes to uh, being able to whiff punish. And I think I said as much when this you know when the input lag actually happened. I'm like, this is going to be the season of Punk. I think because of the way he plays, it's footsie based, and he plays the character that that thrives there. And now he's been practicing with you know, weighted training clothes on, those are coming off. Four frames of weight are coming off, and now you're going to unleash this guy on the rest of the world? Look what's going to happen. And sure enough. But people have been saying that, you know, Karen's been buffed, uh, uh, I mean, primarily through that, but also that other characters have been nerfed and that he's only good because uh, <laughs> because the the characters, well, I guess it's it's a way of saying the character's cheap and taking away credit uh, from the player. But, but no, I mean, also, yeah, if no, Punk ever listens to this... Right, because it's obvious that he's a little insecure about this if he's responding um, to Brian F's, you know, post that doesn't even mention Punk. Right, there's a lot of insecurity floating around right now on Twitter, and I guess that's a normal thing. But if he's feeling that way, man, all you have to do is look to all of the other examples of people, like I said, just taking a knee and going, "I'm not worthy because of how impressive your play has been." Uh, right? It doesn't like, work that we, way. We can't, it never we works can't that way. Do that. Yeah, it, people go into training mode and try to like get these confirms down, and you're like, "Yeah, uh, like, people that play Karen can do one hit confirms, but can you do it on the grand stage against Momochi and Tokido and Daigo?" It doesn't matter. You. Can can get all the praise on the planet. You can get 90% praise, but the 10% of people that Ed you respect stings. who give you crap, and we just went through this, we just went yep. through this with, with someone else who is going to remain nameless because generally, we on Event Hubs, we generally get mostly praise from people we run into. Um, that respect us, but again, it's like, and I think our ratios may be a little higher there than ten percent, but whatever it is, I mean, but it's those people that if we let them get in our heads, they get in our heads, and they, we discuss them. We we don't always discuss, you know, Jim who just wrote us this beautiful email, which does happen, um, probably about once a month or something. We get this like wonderful email or text or whatever about how big of fans like people are of the website. It's just it's wonderful to read, but um, on the other bad days, you know, they get us at that wrong time, and it's like I can't call out Punk for something that we struggle with as an organization like because we get this and we just went through it and and ah, i i so i take issue with that but i do get what you're saying on the rest well i don't want to the, the point of this is not to call him out and say hey stop being a bitch it's it's more so to say hey uh look at this because this will get you through it look at the successes and of course we, we all are there right and, and and you if you operate online at all if you have any kind of presence online someone's going to leave a negative comment about you someone's going to say something crappy about you and even though you know it's not true it's going to hit your heart like a lightning bolt every damn time yeah. but so i just encourage like this is how you you try to begin to deal with that um, and, and especially a, from someone you respect and i i think that punk definitely has respect for brian f anyone who's getting top eight in tournaments and doing very well i think you're naturally going to have respect for even if you're several steps above them you have respect for that person sure um, i think yeah. that just kind of comes with this territory yep so that's a it's a thing and, I, and it's fun like let's see what happens with karen so far she's interesting because she's not one other thing I'll say is that I feel like Karen's sort of like a, a, a blessing from the fighting game gods right now uh -huh. in the sense that we so rarely see a character that is one strong and then also uh, like like righteously strong. And I think she might be righteously strong, like the opposite of cheap. It's so often that, yeah, top tier, they're cheap. But it's like, I think you actually like they've balanced Karen fairly amazingly well where we're we're down to have her be one of the most dominant characters in the game 
but it's like it feels earned and I don't think that that's very common mm. so I'm kind of happy to have her at this point speaking of unearned uh, I wanted to talk about season one Karen and how dominant that character was where she was the most winningest character on the CPT in season one uh, you think about you know season one Chun-Li season one Nash season one freaking Mika uh, <laughs> and you you had Karen a uh, head and shoulders above all of those characters in terms of CPT wins that is how good season one Karen was she was like I, I don't want to call her broken, but she, I, I always felt she was the best character in the game. And I know I got a lot of people, you know, giving me flack about that. I'm like, look, look at how many tournaments she wins, and, and then argue with me there. You know, it's like she wins more than anyone else. What do you want? You know. So, um, anyway, I, I've always kind of like, you know, based a lot of stuff on stats there. Um, but when I play Karen now. And I mean, I got a lot of matchup experience against her in season one. I know you did as well. Your main trading partner. Yeah, Dream player. King played her. Yeah. Um, uh, also Driftwood. Driftwood played her. And uh, Driftwood. Yeah. Driftwood's played her the whole time. Yeah. yeah um, so, but even, but now when I play Karen, I feel like I have every opportunity to win against Karen players usually. And if they've won, I usually feel like I'm outplayed. And it's not every single match, but it's the majority of them. And and yeah, so I, I feel like if we're, we're starting to hit characters for being too strong, there's a list of other people I'd rather discuss much like our next topic here, which should be uh, Sako wants to have Kami, Rashid, and Akuma reduced in a balanced patch because of how common they are. Did and, you just change your name to Sako? I, I'm, I'm just, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I, it's <laughs> almost like someone named Jonathan Catalyst Gray has said so on the podcast in the past. I just I have no idea where, where Sako got that from. And, you know, that couple thousand he dollars definitely has yeah. the podcast translated for him <laughs> yes. on a weekly basis so he can listen to it you're right <laughs> um but um is, is much i think we've been into those characters a lot here and it kind of got me looking at other cast members like i, I think that a lot of people are on that same page that that Sako is on and i'm like okay so are we missing anyone else out there? And I was taking a closer look at Bison and Karen of all characters because they're really climbing the ranks right now in terms of usage, particularly Bison. Um, and, and where I go with that is that Bison has never actually had very high usage in Street Fighter V. He's always like, season one, he wasn't that good. Like, he was pretty much a lower tier character. And then season two and beyond, he got like a three frame normal and he got a bunch of other stuff going on. And he generally would hang around like the, the top 10 range. Uh, and then obviously, Problem X went with him at Evo, you know, last year. But again, he was splitting time with him and Abigail about 50 50, almost uh, throughout the entire season. Uh, and then a lot of other people were not playing Bison. We have, we have Toy now who's really put himself much more on the map uh he was playing them you know the prior year but then you start struggling to name people who played the character especially at a really high level uh and now you are not you know dogra is playing him uh, a bunch of other people are playing him hot uh, dog. yeah hot dog uh problem x is playing him almost exclusively like he he still will bust out an abigail here and there um but to me i look at that and i go it's about time. It's about time this character had a chance to actually shine up there and do very well. And so I don't look at him as being an overall problem. It's like, let's let's take a while to download what Bison is doing. And, and you gave me like great advice on the matchup. It's a matchup I actually really struggle with. It's one of Manat's worst. Um, I really hate that matchup, but I'm still really heavily trying to lab it to get better at it. Um, and you gave me some great advice about interrupting Bison before. Like, It's really important that you know uh, the frame data on all of his normals so that you interrupt him when he's starting up. Because a lot of his 
his moves like his uh, uh what what uh dream king always calls the devil dick which is the uh psycho axe <laughs> and, and hopefully we don't get kicked off the air for saying that but devil dick devil dick devil dick but anyway. i was thinking of doing the same thing you're the best <laughs> oh, but i'm also gonna clip that and keep it for later there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway uh it's you know it, it's an 18 frame startup i believe and uh thinking of the frame data out of you know off the top of my head that's a long mm. startup time and in a lot of pro players now who have labbed the, the bison matchup even against someone like problem x who is amazing even against someone like toy they know the gaps in the frame data and they're like hey you can't get away with that and then boom you've not you know bison on his butt are knocked him back and now you know you're able to take advantage of his poor defense and and there you go and so bison i think that for those that are struggling with him right now and that's like everybody for the most part right but uh, the the we have learned as bison in street fighter 5 that he is an absolute frame trap monster he's very oppressive in your face he has these plus for days right and that's true to an extent but that becomes a double edged sword that you end up using against him and you've already pretty much articulated this but it's that he is so plus very often that you know you have to block, and so you do, and he's going to take advantage of that by doing things that have big big gaping holes you know, in between the moves, and you're just blocking because you're afraid of getting counter hit. What happens here is you play the Street Fighter V game of, well, you need to make a decision of one thing or another. He's either going to do the frame trap, or he's going to take advantage and put himself back into that really good position again and you have to kind of guess and that comes along with watching what the bison player has been doing seeing if you can identify patterns Um, but yeah and sometimes you're going to get freaking crush countered and like you just accept that and sometimes you're going to interrupt him because he's going to be trying to take too much that's when you get bison and like you said then you go in for his um take take advantage of his poor defense but it's it 100 percent comes comes down to knowing how fast your moves are where the potential gaps in his moves are and his pressure are and and taking your best bets as to when you think he's going to leave a, a gap and that's you know of course when you're under pressure from bison there's a whole lot more to that matchup but i think that's a place where people struggle the most and uh, and that's what i've been working on and i've seen pretty good results from it yeah, and the pros are doing that too. And and this is where I go with this. It's like, let's all as a community download that a bit more first before we react and say, hey, Bison's no, too damn good. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, um, I can, you know, we, we've talked about adjustments to Bison, which I've generally agreed with. Um, but I don't think he's in such a bad spot right now where he's a real glaring problem in this game. I think he's okay with where he's at. And let's see about, you know, potentially season five or 4.5 or whatever. Um, let's see where things kind of end up at. But he's not so good where I'm really worried about him yet. So, um, but another character that, that someone is worried about here is Birdie. Um, and Birdie has a very interesting problem because in Japan and Europe, he's very common. And over here in the States, he's not that common. He's like, he's good. You definitely see him in tournament, but he's not like a Kami or a Rashid or a Kuma up there in terms of popularity. But you go to Japan and you go to Europe and he's usually up there among the top end of, of, of people. Mm-hmm. And so it, I thought it was interesting that Sako mentioned him because, I mean, Japan often has Birdie as the number one character in the game. I don't agree with that, but... I also, I can kind of see where they're coming from. And so one of the things I've looked at him, and it's I'm at a little bit of a loss here. It's like, well, his V-Trigger 2 damage does seem a little bit too good. And it's like, it feels like it's just slightly too good. Um, and of all the top tiers I can think of, like, that's the only thing I would adjust with them. And, and you and I have had definitely had our complaints about Birdie in the past being too, like, just do it, right? Mm-hmm. And we both feel like he's in a pretty good spot right now. And and so I'm hard-pressed. Like, what what are you seeing in your circles, and how do you feel about Birdie? I think Birdie's fine. I think he's strong. He's good. But I, he's another one of those examples where uh, – 
it's not too much. Now, I say that I haven't really felt the wrath of Birdie V-Trigger 2. We have um, one player that's switched from Mika to Birdie, very similar to what Fudo has done here in my local scene, uh, but he rarely plays Birdie against me, and um, and I, I haven't played online like at all in, in recent times, so I haven't really felt it firsthand. Now, I have seen plenty of, of footage and, and such, and it looks really good. If you're going to do something about it, and I don't necessarily think we have to, if you're going to do something about it, I say maybe just because the V-Trigger was buffed in a few different ways and people uh, now very much know that it's there. And I feel like they didn't really think about V-Trigger 2 in the past season. Um, and, and now that they know the power of it, if it is too strong, maybe put it back to three bars, something like that. And, and it's like uh, that feels like that would be something of a nerf to it. And you're still getting all of what you're getting. So it's just that it takes you a little bit longer to get there. But again, I don't know that's necessary. Yeah. I think that it's fine. As far as I'm concerned, as my research, my experiences, I don't have a problem with the character at all. But um, I've heard this before. It's coming up again now. So if there is indeed a problem, that might be where I start. Yeah. And, and so again, it, it falls into the bison territory of let's take a few steps back and look at this. And again, people might be wondering, well, what the hell is the difference with Kami, you know, Kuma and Rashid? And you know, when I use that tone that the next things out of my mouth are going to be very, you know, nuanced and thoughtful, right? Yes. But the, the next, you know, where, where I go with those is like, look, we've had those characters be a problem for many seasons now. We know their major issues and they stick out like a sore thumb to me. And that is the big difference there. And again, it's uh, other people are noticing it too. And it's 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 like look if if you've got that big of a problem, please address it. But I will just say, um, and big shout outs here to Capcom Japan because I definitely put them on blast more than enough here. And if they do happen to listen to the show, I, I do want to acknowledge you know again, Street Fighter Five is my favorite game. Uh, these are great problems to have. The fact that the game exists how it currently does, balance-wise and all that other kind of stuff, and how good it has held up for three years now, that's really good. We have plenty of fighting games die off after three years. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying Street Fighter V is full of life and, you know, going to continue for the next, like, you know, seven or whatever. It, it, it's, you know, it, it it's probably past its middle age right now, you know, in terms of how long it's going to live for. Um, but it's still, the game continues to be in a very good spot balance-wise. Uh, Gameplay-wise, you're seeing things evolve. We continue to discuss the meta of the game. There's so much we're unpacking here. And, and Capcom deserves huge props for making a game that's very interesting, very different than Street Fighter V, very different than any Street Fighter game we've ever really had before. Uh, some people don't like it, that's fine. But in terms of making a balanced and compelling product, it's like, this is really good. And I'm so happy that these are the problems that we have now here, you know, in season four uh, versus the problems that we had in season one with input lag and very dominant characters that who I named off previously that just were ruining the fun of the game for so many people. Um, it's I will take these problems any day of the week. Yeah, I've, I've had similar sentiments as we sit and, and mull over these specific characters, you know, Cammy, Irina, uh, Karen and, and Bison and such. And you've been watching back to this birdie thing really quick. You've been watching plenty of tournament footage, especially when um, Majin Tension hand took a break and you had to do the tournament weekend stuff for a while um, and you saw plenty of birdies play mm-hmm. if you can recall how often after a birdie match where birdie wins did you find yourself kind of doing that wry smile and thinking oh you got away with some crap versus like oh no he earned it uh, okay, so that's a damn good question. And, and definitely it did happen some of the time with V-Trigger 2. And I don't know how much of that is people not having labbed it properly. Because to actually set up V-Trigger 2, it's unlike a lot of V-Triggers in the game, where it's oftentimes unsafe if you go into it on block. Mm-hmm. And you can combo after it sometimes in certain situations, and you can make it safe. It's just, it's not quite like how other V-Triggers work. 
Right. So I wonder how much of this is a little bit of the ignorance factor, you know, and that is a classic killer in fighting games of, oh, this is OP. It's like, no, you just really haven't labbed it. And, and that is a huge problem we continue to run into here in the FGC, myself included. And, and so that's there. And I don't know how much of it is like actual, this is too cheap and too good versus like, man, people really need to lab this and understand how to make it work. Um, it's like bison scissor kicks right now. Uh, and with Karen, um, a punk is like consistently, uh, V reversaling those like, Oh, you want an advantage? You're not getting it and mm-hmm. shutting it down each and every time. And yeah, so Rashid, Manat, Vega, they all have, you know, like teleports and flips away or whatever. So they don't get that. That's fine. You know, but Everyone else in the game can be doing that. And if you find Bison to be that much of a, a problem, why don't you sacrifice his ability to get in to just knock him back? And then, you know, you could set him up for something. And, and again, Punk is having a ton of success against Bison by doing that. And so I look at things like that and go, okay, should we be V-reversaling here against, you know, Birdie's um, V-Trigger 2? What should we be doing? I'm, I'm very hesitant to alter it because we haven't fully explored it enough. Yeah, so, I think yeah. it's okay to let it rock at this point. And, uh, and, and as far as not labbing one of the first things that becomes apparent outside of the activation of his v trigger 2 is that he can cancel from certain moves i forget off the top of my head which one it is but there's a very clearly unsafe move that he does and then he goes into the chain throw if if the trigger is already active and when you go for the punish you get hit by the chain right but it's a matter of well you have to continue to block and there's two hits of the chain well that sequence right there is going to blow a lot of people up that have been playing against the character for three years and then all of a sudden these last six months or so they have to adapt to this new situation where the thing that was previously unsafe is now you get punished for trying to hit it that's going to take some time not only for your brain to click over but for your muscle memory to click over and um, so for however many instances like that there are with this character and we've already just kind of naturally pulled two out of our hat just immediately uh, yeah that points to do some more research before we kind of make any moves so yeah all right so getting into it up here next, um, Marvel's Bill Roseman chimed in on what it takes for studios to be able to use the Marvel IP. And I want to quote here because uh, it's I think it's important to have this stuff in proper context to how they relate it. And and he said here, uh, I'm you know cherry picking the most important quote, and he says, most importantly, who has a passion? Who has a passion and who wants to swing big? That's what it comes down to. And then in quote there, that's what it comes down to when Marvel decides to give someone the ability to use their characters in a game. And I look at that and I go, okay, Capcom is definitely known for putting a lot of passion and involvement in their games. Uh, not usually the launches, but overall, uh, they they put a lot of energy and time. And that is one thing about Capcom and talking to staff members there. Capcom is a company that has a number of problems. Uh, Passion and energy is not one of them. That has never been an issue there. Uh, The people who work there have been dreaming about working on these IPs usually for a large portion of their life. And and they love this stuff like few other people do. And that is sometimes why, you know, Capcom games have this like life of their own and always continue to to go and surge back into the community and they don't die off usually very quickly or easily. Um, A lot of that is due to the developers out there that they continue to improve and just try to work on this stuff and I go okay that very much like checks that box right there that that Bill Roseman is talking about and then I start looking at other things like um, Capcom having a good partnership with people um, at Marvel uh, where Marvel employees on Twitter are still like praising Capcom saying man you guys do great stuff talking about FGC stuff and all that Um, they also have a little known dude in the FGC who some people might be maybe slightly familiar with and that would be Peter Combofine Rosas Mm -hmm. uh, who was at Capcom and um, 
there are there are a lot of reasons. There's a lot of ways for the stars to align here and for these companies to work together again. And I realize that Infinite, you know, did not work out well. And if that was maybe a first time studio or a first time effort, maybe Marvel goes away from that. But the more I see this stuff, the more I say, you know what? I don't think there's any way that Marvel and Capcom are done working together. I, I think that they for sure will be working together again, if not already doing so right now. And again, it's just it's a matter of when we hear about something. You heard it here first, guys. Marvel vs. Capcom Finite is on the horizon. <laughs> I love that name. I love that name you came up with. It's so great. <laughs> and they should never use it, but I still love that name. But yeah. <laughs> um. So, but anyway, uh, quoting here a little bit more, uh, Bill Roseman also said that sometimes studios will reach out to them, uh, um, you know, or they'll reach out to studios as well, just like with an idea for a project and things like that. Like, it's not just the passion, you know, that, that goes in there. Um, uh, it seems like they're, they're kind of choosy with their partners, you know, uh, I could say that. I, I, I mean, the, the Marvel IP is maybe the biggest IP on the planet right now. Uh, I don't know what would be bigger, um, but... Uh, you've got someone like uh, Peter Rosas, who was actually a producer on the Insomniac Spider-Man game. Uh, that game has received very high praise. It got Game of the Year awards. Uh, a bunch of people had it on, you know, best game of 2018 type thing. Um, so that game came out in September 2018. You would think that maybe Peter needs another project to work on, right? Like maybe there's something out there that he could be doing. And maybe he has some background as a fighting game producer or something like that. And so maybe, maybe, you know, and I'm just, I'm hoping you Rose players and your tea leaves, man. You're just reading those <laughs> things constantly, seeing the future, but... Yeah, so I'm I'm just hoping that Marvel is listening to this podcast, you know, and, and they're going, "Wow, this is a great idea. Let's do this," you know. And I, I honestly, I actually think that the game is being worked on right now. Um, I, I have very strong uh, ideas that, that it is. That, that's a word I'll use there, right? Um, but anyway, so but how do you feel about this? Like when you were writing up this article, like did anything really strike you in this regard, or, or how did you feel? Well, first and foremost, I'm just thankful that we have a podcast that Sako listens to, Capcom Japan listens to, and Marvel listens to. It's just, you know, at some point you pass that bar of success, and I think we've passed it, man. But uh, as far as the, the, the interview and what Roseman said, so the question posed was by, I think it was Game Informer, and they were asking more along the lines of, "Would you? we've seen you work with Sony for Spider-Man, and we've seen you work with Nintendo for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I believe. But are, are you planning on working with Microsoft? And so it's like kind of they're talking, you know, big, big fish, right? And Capcom doesn't really necessarily fit into that general of a discussion, but it certainly does for us in the fighting game community. So that's kind of where we're that's that's the source material. And that's kind of the jump that we're making to the specifics of Capcom. And that's very realistic. Uh, Marvel has worked with Capcom and, and been very successful at times in the past. But as far as another Marvel versus Capcom, I would venture to guess that we're probably going to see another Street Fighter before we see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and looking over the years, it was like, when did Marvel vs. Capcom 2 come out? In like 2000, and it was like 11 years before we saw MVC 3. Um, the, the timetables kind of are, are getting shortened a bit because it was uh, six years later after that that we saw Marvel Infinite. But even then, like, okay, so, so maybe at like its fastest, a five or six year turnaround. But I would expect something closer to like 2022 before I'm really thinking, okay, if, if stuff still lines up, if it still seems feasible that a Marvel versus Capcom could happen at that time, then and, um, I'd be more inclined to say yes. But right now, I'm always on the more conservative end of things and like the protect your heart end of things when this stuff mm-hmm. comes up. So, so I don't feel like there's going to necessarily be anything. I do think that this certainly does open up the door of possibilities. It's better news than something that comes along the lines of 
you know, yeah, we're for sure not doing another Marvel versus Capcom for whatever reason. Uh, it's possible, but I don't think it's going to happen for a little while if it does happen. Gotcha. All right, so moving along here, um, Mortal Kombat 11 netcode. Is it the best we've ever seen in the fighting game community? And the reason I jump into this is not just because, you know, Sonic Fox and Guilty were playing from America to Japan and had a great experience. Uh, there's other people I talk to that I very much heavily respect here in the community um, who are saying, like, this netcode is top tier. It definitely has not always been this way with NRS games, oh, right? It super um, hasn't been that way with yeah. NRS games. Um, it, Mortal Kombat 9, that was released back in 2011. Uh, the netcode was considered to be among the worst of that era. Uh, many people actually compared it to Marvel 3, and I mean the original Marvel 3, not even Ultimate. But they said that MK9 was worse, and that is really bad for people who do not remember uh, Vanilla MVC3's netcode. That is terrible so um with each of the nrs games here i talk about i don't want to you know mention the you know the year that uh, of everyone but it's like two years apart is pretty much every nrs game right so 2011 here you know next we have 2013 um and that's injustice one which you know the event hubs team and i played quite a bit but it had somewhat sluggish kind of net code it was acceptable we played it online you know it was it, it had issues but it was mostly playable right mm-hmm so then we have Mortal Kombat 10, uh, which launched with pretty subpar netcode, uh, but they did a GGPO-like overhaul. Actually, it was they did use GGPO, I should yes. say, uh, about a year later. Um, and it was well-received. It wasn't amazing. People just said, like, I mean, hey, you know, in contrast, like Mortal Kombat 10, like the launch code was pretty crappy. Uh, this is pretty well. Like, you know, it, it holds up with most of the contemporary games at that point in time, right? So Adjust, Injustice 2 comes out. That's 2017. They used GGPO from the start. The thoughts on the netcode code were very solid we reviewed it ourselves uh, i think dream king played like 150 matches online or something like that um he said it was pretty good i think he he compared it to about like what street fighter 5 was at that time um somewhere around there uh and now we have mortal kombat 11 mm-hmm. and i the same people uh that i spoke with about you know other past games they're saying no the net code here is top tier i don't know what they've done i don't know how they've done it but this is amazing. This is probably the best netcode that exists right now, at least for a AAA title. Um, and I'm going, holy crap. I, I, it's just, it's hitting me like really hard. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I, I, I don't understand how NRS transitioned from like bottom rung to like top tier, but they've done it. And, you well, know, it took them, yeah. NRS has proved to have like a, a relationship and, and a, a thoughtful awareness of their fans. And netcode has become, and it wasn't a thing, you know, like like 10 years ago, people weren't really worried about a fighting game's netcode, right? Like it was a brand new thing. And now it's just a staple. And if you don't have good netcode, you're, you're like laughable. And people might not even play your game at all because of that. And NRS is like aware of that. So they go, well, it wasn't good then. We, and they've made conscious effort with the upgrade in the middle of MKX to go up to a GGPO. Is that what it is, GGPO? GGW. Yeah, GGPO. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then and now they've continued that and and they they know they know the the targets that they have to hit and this was a big one and exactly like what you said I don't know how they did it I don't know what their secret is I hope that that secret sauce gets shared amongst the other big AAA companies and everyone else trickles down um, because it's it's really really good it's not without little hiccups and you know there's someone playing on I mean you can tell who's playing on a wired connection and who's on wireless when it matches you up with people. And, and there are certainly people out there with, with poor internet that you get matched up with and then it kind of hiccups in the middle of matches. But it's easily the best experience I've ever had. Now, I haven't played every fighting game online, you know, and I haven't experienced them all. But uh, 
I've never seen anything better. I've never heard reports of anything better. And then, yes, like you, you began this conversation with, we even saw Sonic Fox, who's on the east coast of, uh, of America, of the United States, I should say. And then Guilty, who is in Tokyo, I believe, playing a set online while Guilty was streaming. And they first begin it by saying, oh, this is pretty good. And then about three or four seconds later, Sonic Fox goes, damn, this is actually really good. What the hell? I could practice in this. I could play in this. Now, they're both going to have, I mean, sure, Sonic Fox and Guilty, they're both sponsored players. They both stream. I'm sure they're going to have the strongest internet that they can. So it's, you know, not necessarily a, a average on the bell curve sort of situation, but it is significant. This is America to, to Japan, and they're playing fluidly. It's also a game, now I should say, it's also a game that doesn't require as strict of netcode as other games because you're not doing one-frame links. You're doing dial-in combos and such. So I would argue you're probably not feeling the lag as much as you would in other games. That said, though, it's still a very enjoyable experience. And hey, like that's all that's that's the standard that NRS has to hit. They've set themselves up with this type of game, with this style of gameplay. They need this good of internet to or or netcode, I should say, to make that a pleasant experience. And man, they've hit it. And and it's encouraging because it's because you're thinking, well, if they've done it, other people, other big companies are certainly going to do it. And eventually, it's going to become the norm, is what it looks like. So I think it's a really good look for fighting games in general. And hey, hats off to NRS for doing yet another really good thing. Yeah, I, I, I want to um, jump on the point that you were mentioning and, and talk about like high level, you know, understanding of netcode versus like low level. Uh, you don't get any higher level than Sonic Fox and NRS. So if he's saying you can practice on it and, and do it really well, that's great. Uh, and I definitely believe him. I mean, why would you not? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to explain that a little bit more. Like there are frame drops. There's animation you're looking for to react to stuff. Right. There's things that that are definitely getting dropped when you play online, no matter like you're always going to have hiccups with your connection, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to be running into the stuff and how does the game handle that, right? So um, there's a there's a base level of, of, of a netcode review and then there's like a super high level. And if you've put in a lot of time into a game, and I mean a lot, you've played hundreds to thousands of matches online, you will start to see holes in the netcode. So I have a little bit of reservation here with it, you know, Mortal Kombat 11 because the game has not been out that long and people haven't really had a great chance to pick holes in it. Um, and I also go back to the statement of, Mileage varies very heavily between people and their connections to each other. It's so subjective in what they expect and then what, you know, they're they're going to have happen because I've played people with three bar connections and they go, oh, this is fine. This is how I normally play. And I'm like, how the hell do you play on this? Like, I do not understand how you uh, can Disclaimer, function. John is an online lag snob, by the Yo, way. I am so. hardcore. Yeah, I, I literally, I, I pay over $100 for my internet each month and I just upgraded to like a gigabit connection and all that. And, and I play Monat. So when I played Rose, I... I did not care nearly as much about the connection as I do right now. But yes, you are a 120% right. <laughs> I am hardcore about this stuff. Um, but but to go back to it here just a little bit, um, GGPO is what they use in Mortal Kombat 11. They used it in 10. And again, the praise was not there for it. Uh, not to this degree. It was there, but it was like, yeah, much higher. So it, it comes down a lot to the implementation of the code. It is how have you implemented this to mask the lag and, and, and to speed up certain things and kind of trick the game into not slowing down and having issues even when it is. And that is really important. You, and you learn that over, you know, playing the game over time, uh, grinding it out, doing other things. That's how the developers are picking up and making the code better. It's why Street Fighter 4's netcode compared to Street Fighter 5 for most people, it's quite a bit better for Street Fighter 5 because it rolls back and, you know, does other things and whatnot. Um, so NRS has clearly learned quite a bit, you know, between games. Um, and just as an illustration of that, that for something that you know it's a little bit more tangible for people um 
Mortal Kombat 11 is based on the Unreal 3 engine. That is probably the best looking fighting game ever. And the current generation uh, of gaming engine that most people use is Unreal 4. And it is such a heavily modified version of Unreal 3 that they've been able to eke out and and just do amazing stuff with. Um, That kind of helps, you know, tell people that, you know, that are listening to the pod, like how people can tweak stuff and modify it to a point where it is really, really, really good. Uh, and it's just, it's learning more about an engine. It's learning more how to do things. Um, so does, yeah. does Street Fighter, because Street Fighter and Tekken both use Unreal. Is, are they both on four? Yeah, they're both on four. And, um, and Samurai Showdown, I think is on four as well, right? Yeah, almost everyone's on four. Uh, it's really weird that NRS is using three. Um, it, it's very uncommon for any developer to be on that, but they feel like they can get enough out of that engine and, and they've, it's heavily modified is what they say. So, um, but yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as looks go, Unreal, I, I don't, I'm no expert on this. All I can speak to is one part of the pie here. But Unreal has been cool. It seems to be a standard for a lot because so many different games are using it. But I think it also brings with it um, um, input lag, and that hasn't been a very good look. And I'm not sure what Mortal Kombat 11's input lag. I think it's something around 4, but I'm not certain. I think it's a little higher than the norm. I think it's a frame higher at 5, actually. Okay. I I, I did a double check, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I've had a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Unreal because of all that, you know, input lag kind of stuff that it seems to bring about. But that might just be Unreal 4. Um, and not necessarily three, I'm not sure. So um, I, I've personally played about three or four matches of MK11 online. It held up really well, but I, I really hate small sample sizes like that. Uh, again, I want to get a bigger one going. Um, I've played like five to 600 online, I think, at this point. Oh, wow. Okay, so you've got quite a bit in there. Uh, and yeah, you were one of the people I asked, and you said, no, it's great. And um, and yeah, so um, so where I'm, where I'm going to go with this is that I think the standard of netcode has been raised collectively in our community. If you tried to roll out like, you know, 2009, 2011 netcode in this day and age, you would be laughed at up and down. Uh, There's a few companies that actually who who have tried that who are going to go, you know, nameless here. I don't want to blow anyone up, but uh, we've definitely had some botched netcode relaunches launches in in this era. Right. Um, And so what we're seeing now is the, the collective level being raised for everyone. Mortal Kombat 11 is a brand new game that just came out. Comparing it to a game that's three years old is not unfair, but it's not exactly apples to apples, right? Mm -hmm. So I generally look at this and I look at most other genres and I want to get to the point where we don't even talk about netcode anymore. It's just, it's an expected and normal thing. And you either have to do something really bad or really amazing to kind of make the netcode a discussion. And we're getting there. I don't know if it's going to hit in this console generation, but I think by the next one, we really should be there for the fighting game community. We should be at like just the netcode is not even a discussion because everyone has hit this mark that Mortal Kombat 11 has hit. And that has to be the gold standard going forward. And if it is not, let these freaking companies know we will too uh give us a heads up about it we'll write an article about it say hey fill in the blank company you suck because your net code sucks and get better get good because we need this in the fighting game community it is very important for us and if you don't know how to do it go talk to nrs because they do so <laughs> you know what happens you know what happens eventually after we get good enough net code that it's seamless and it's just like playing offline uh at some point i bet you tournaments stop happening offline as much as they are it's yeah. just so much easier to do stuff online. So, uh, yes, move in that direction. It's good. but uh, and, and, and that's not something I think we have to really worry ourselves with right now. It, it probably is on the, the somewhere past the horizon at this point. But 
I'm just going to be a Debbie Downer and bring up a negative of our progress. So there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I just want to bring this a little bit home on this last point here and say, if you do play Street Fighter Five a lot, a lot of our listeners do. Um, we're still very, uh, very heavy uh, Street Fighter centric, you know, on event hubs. Um, from my understanding of it and from my personal experience, um, Mortal Kombat 11 is a step. I'm possibly two steps above where Street Fighter Five is in terms of netcode. I'd it's say a step. That, yeah. yeah, it's it, it it does depend. Like I, I one of our staff members actually is kind of known for having a laggy connection, and, and he was like, "No, it's it's like so much better playing it." And so that's that's where your mileage can vary. So John says a step. I, I say you know so maybe we split the difference and say like uh, a step, step and, a half. and a half. Yeah, there you go. Um, but just to give people a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about here, it is noticeably better, and, and that is phenomenal. That is man, I'm so happy to ha- be having this. You know, discussion and whatnot. I'm an online warrior. This is what I do, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, still staying with, with Mortal Kombat 11, we had Shang Tsung come in as one of the greatest character reveals in recent memory. You are all over this puppy. I want you to unleash the beast. Yeah, so we knew Shang was coming. We knew it was Kerry Tagawa, the original Shang Tsung actor that was going to be reprising his role. The character has been part of the crypt, but uh, he's also the very first DLC character to join the game. When we finally got the trailer for him, not only does he transform into the young version with his cool little hand, like like little claws that he has, like claw gloves wearing on his hands, uh, but not only does he do that, but he also has like he's he's a walking, talking callback machine to old Mortal Kombat stuff. You know, older Mortal Kombat games, uh, the movie itself. He has a bunch of one-liners from it, and his uh, they've they've tweaked around his ability to transform into other characters by. Instead of being able to like turn into any character on the roster, which is what he was able to do in Mortal Kombat two and three, um, and and has had you know a, a, that that kind of ability for a long time. Now he has a move where he can transform into the character that he's fighting against. I think if he hits, it looks like maybe it's a command grab. We'll probably find out today um, because there's a combat cast today about him. But he can turn into that character, and it looks like he can do the character's crushing blows, which is interesting. So he might have access to other crushing blows. in in addition to maybe his own and those are significant in this game because of how much damage they end up doing so being able to take another character's crushing blows is a pretty big deal but the probably the coolest thing about him at least at the first look is the fact that he turns into the ninjas he turns into uh rain ermac noob cybot smoke scorpion and sub-zero and reptile and it's just for one move is, is what it looks like. We haven't had the full character breakdown yet, so we've only seen the trailer. But he'll like morph into Reptile for a minute and, uh, and do Reptile slide, and then at the end of the slide, turn back into Shang, right? Or turn into Ermac and uh, do his Levitate Slam. Turn into Rain and do his Roundhouse Kick that sends him across the screen and comes back on the other side. Uh, or Smoke, I believe he has like a counter where if you hit him while he's in as Smoke, he'll... Um, immediately come down from the like teleport and come down from the sky and hit you anyways call back to all of these ninjas and then he turns into scorpion and sub-zero during his uh fatal blow it's just like they did everything right with this reveal it was you know they have the actor and the nostalgia of it he looks great he has the callbacks he gives you all the feels his moves are really cool you get a glimpse at these other characters that that are most of whom are not in the game right now and um, and then well and then they revealed more and we'll get to that that we're still kind of focused on Shang right now. Uh, one thing that I do want to bring up is that a lot of people see 
Ermac Rain Smoke Reptile, who are not on the roster currently, and they say, well, this disconfirms that we'll be seeing those characters because if Shang can turn into them, then we're probably not going to see them. And uh, maybe, but I don't think that's a disconfirmation in the slightest because he also turns into new Scorpion and Sub-Zero and those guys are already on the roster. So I do not look at it as a, disconf- as a disconfirmation. Um, it's just, it is what it is. Take it, take the nice thing that NetherRealm gave you and appreciate it. Don't say wins Molina, you know? So, um, but, uh, but yeah, a very cool character. Everyone's really excited. I think he's uh, he's early playable on June 18th is what I believe off the top of my head. Um, and, and a really well done job by NRS yet again, people are really excited. And just as this initial wave of hype from Mortal Kombat 11 has died down, they go, zip, bring it back up with Shang Tsung. And not only do they show an awesome Shang Tsung reveal trailer, also there's a callback to Mortal Kombat 2 and his fatality, which is awesome as well. Um, not only do they show all of this in the Shang Tsung trailer, then they list off a handful more of the DLC characters that are coming, the first of which is uh, Nightwolf, and then Sindel, and then uh, Spawn. And it's like, people; th- these have been characters that people have really wanted. Um, and again, another example of NRS having their ear uh, to the community and knowing what their community wants. And, uh, and knowing that, well, maybe not Molina, but these other characters, right? And people are very excited for that. Plus two more characters that they haven't revealed yet. And uh, with a little bit of a hint, maybe a hint, when they show the text that says plus two more characters, there is uh, some blood splatter that pops up on the text and then also the sound of a chainsaw. And then through the, the last few seconds of the promo that they show, the, the music kind of turns to a bum-bum-bum-bum. Uh, which is very similar to Terminator music. And so the speculation is that they're referencing Ash Williams from Evil Dead with his chainsaw hand and the Terminator as the upcoming DLC characters. It's not confirmed by any means, but Bruce Campbell also said, hey, he tweeted about it, even after saying a few weeks back that he was for sure not going to be in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that, and, and it's so, for those of you that are not aware of like the the ash williams character and bruce campbell as like something of a comedian actor like this is 100 percent something he would do is to to troll people to be kind of like that charismatic dick you know and that's exactly this is 100 percent uh it, i thought it very much did disconfirm that ash williams would be in mortal Kombat when i saw that i was like oh sad because he would be really good for it no it was just him trolling straight up probably lying to the people and we love him for it so a whole bunch of really good NRS Mortal Kombat 11 news popped up over the weekend. Uh, and it, like I said, has just rekindled the flames uh, just as they were beginning to simmer a little bit. You know, I mean, I, I'd agree with you that this is really good, but I really prefer how Capcom is handling season four. You know, <laughs> it just radio silence for months, just completely pissing off everyone, just saying completely vague statements about nothing, you know, like and having us try to read into it. I, that is what NRS should be doing, clearly. I mean, why do you want like the most hype, one of the most hype reveals we've ever seen in the fighting game community with Shang Tsung and like, like freaking Spawn and Nightwolf? And I just, oh man, did they nail it? And, uh, uh, it, it, it's great. It, it literally, I don't even have time to play Mortal Kombat 11. I, I barely have time to play Street Fighter 5. Um, and, and I want to pick up this game now just to play Shang Tsung because I look at his moveset and it's straight from Mortal Kombat 2 and Mortal Kombat 3, two games I played 
a bunch and absolutely loved and, and and just i love the homage to characters like old move sets and making the modern and other stuff like i'm such a huge fan of that it's like it's a huge reason why we play these games right we want to recall um we want to recall those old moves and get back into them it's like it's like sub-zero not being able to freeze people or something right it's like well we completely redid the character it's like why did you do that like that's this <laughs> iconic move you can't can't do that right and so um uh, shang soon is such a great callback to what he was before uh, he just looks so damn cool um uh but the modern twist it's not everything i've experienced before there's a bunch of new stuff too and that is how you do a character that is how you set the stuff up they threw in a bunch of extra bells and whistles and damn it does mortal kombat 11 and nrs continue to just kick ass well so mm -hmm. we established that um well another example of that in our previous subject right with uh, the way they're doing the net code they're raising the bar with this stuff they've raised the bar with stories they've raised the bar now with net code they've raised the bar with character reveals and and i would say also um, they're not necessarily the only ones to do this, but they're certainly like the biggest game to be doing it right now. The the kind of flow and pace of how they're revealing content to keep that hype wave and that interest wave at its highest levels it can be and have it kind of peak up and then as it you know drops back down peak back up again and get the most out of your uh out of the excitement that's possible for your fans it's like it's a whole living breathing entity this entire process of communicating the different parts of your game and releasing it to your fans like that's how it works here in in the modern times and they have begun setting the uh the standards for these things now it's good that that's happening because i hope that you know, NRS shares their their netcode information or sells it, you know, to other companies and, and make sure that that becomes what people do going forward. Because now with MK11, the next games that come out, people are like, well, MK11 did it. You better be able to do it too. At least mm-hmm. the AAA titles, right? Yep. So now the pressure is even higher, right, on, on like Capcom to do Street Fighter Six or Marvel versus Capcom Finite, whatever they're going to be doing, right? Because if, if they're not up to the Mortal Kombat 11 standard and that was a game before this, oh man, people are going to be even more upset. So it's good. We need to make that progress, but it's also raising the bar for everybody else. And that's good too, but it's not good if they can't rise to the occasion and you'll understand if I have a little bit of a hesitation when I wonder if they can rise to the occasion or not. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people not hitting marks here, uh, Samurai Showdown demo came out and it has eight frames of input leg. And you know, the good part is the developers have responded here and said that they're aware of it. Um, you know, they're notifying the you know developers of the, the product itself, and they're going to try to you know get back in there and hopefully do something before the game comes out. Uh, but it's an unfortunate look before a game has even come out yet. It's just a demo. You know, things can change, but but there it is. Yeah, and especially with this type of game, I haven't played much Samurai Showdown, but I know you have. Mm-hmm. But my understanding of it is that it's pretty much footsies 101 it's a poking it's a reacting it's a whiff punish sort of game and we know what eight frames feels like and we know we don't want that it was wydd that did the research on this he's basically our our resource for input lag him and and display lag Mm -hmm. on these games and he deemed it like something along the lines of the worst the worst fighting game that he's ever seen in terms of how bad the input lag is. Now it has an 88% stability rating, so it's it's at least fairly consistent in it having eight frames of input lag, um, but still it's eight frames. 80, and 83% by 83. Way. I said yeah. that yesterday on Best of Five 2 is 83. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, but so you've played Samurai Showdown um, and traditional Samurai Showdown, I should say, the older games. Is it as much of a footsie game as I'm thinking it is? Yeah, and, it is. And, it is. And, I mean, 
I don't know how much of this one's going to be. I haven't played the demo yet. Um, again, I'm, I'm upset it's not coming to PC, you know, right away. Um, mm. You can't call SNK a AAA, you know, company. They're not. They're not that big. And, and the standards are, are generally have to kind of be viewed in, in through that lens in terms of like it's less. But eight frames is pretty inexcusable in this point in time. And, and it's a fighting game. Like, look, like we just got done talking, you know, season uh, uh, saying the praises, I should say, of um, Mortal Kombat 11 in terms of them reducing lag and all that kind of stuff. You have to do this in this era. You cannot release a game anymore knowing what Street Fighter V was. And I mean, multiple other developers talked about it. Like, look, we're not going to have a game with eight frames of input lag. We're not going to do it. Um, that has to be what you're doing when you have a game that's not even out yet. Uh, and this is a bad look. It's another bad look for SNK with the launch. And it's like, you know, they've, they've botched a the net code on a few things. Uh, look, SNK makes some great freaking games that are really underappreciated. But it's stuff like this that holds them back, especially in the hardcore competitive scenes eyes. You know, and, and they, they really kind of have to plan around this more from the get-go. You should not be releasing a product like this um, that, that has eight frames of lag anymore. And, and you know, watch like Street Fighter Six is going to have like 20 frames of input lag or God, something like that. Don't you say that. Right? Don't you put uh, that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Uh, but, I mean, it, it, it could happen. And, look, we're going to blow them up for it if it does happen. Like, we, we've already deemed this as unacceptable. Um, new things happen. You know, we use the Unreal Engine, which had, you know, as you've mentioned, input, you know, latency issues. Um Stuff like this yeah, happens. I don't think Unreal is a good fit for fighting games as it stands right now. At least not Unreal yeah. Four. Yeah, I mean, well, they 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 put out the input leg patch, you know, that which has solved it for a lot of people, and then some developers have done it themselves, like you know, Tekken, Namco Bandai, you know, figured it out for themselves. It, it's I I don't think it's a, a moot issue, but it's definitely going to get better, especially with things like, and I'm going to get very tech heavy here, but things like G Sync and Free Sync, which are definitely coming to the next generation consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's going to definitely reduce the input leg as is. Like uh, I play Street Fighter Five on PC, so I've modified the heck out of that sucker to get as you know least amount of input delay I can. I think my guess is I'm down to about three frames of input delay uh, and that's probably about the best you're going to get which is really good you know that's that's better than what street fighter 4 was on the you know prior generation mm-hmm. so um anyway uh point being here is that it's it's a little bit of like hey aren't you reading the news you know like haven't you seen how big of a deal this has been in our community and why are you not addressing it you know it, it's it's you can't have your head that far in the sand to not see the stuff. So I don't want to judge it too hard because it's a demo. They have a chance to fix it, you know, and they, they are, you know, responding to it. But that that is it's still a little bit of like it's a black eye for the game before it's even out. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would move quickly to say, well, it's just a demo. And I think it was just only released in Japan or it was like only for Japanese consoles or something along those lines, Japanese copies of the game, something. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is just the demo, and and hey, demos are meant for trying to find bugs or problems, and so hey, here's a problem. Yes, but um, first of all, the game comes out in just a few weeks at like the end of this month, and this is probably not a problem that you can likely fix in that time. It's different than, you know, uh, what's the comparison? Like, like Mortal Kombat was first shown, and people said the game was a bit slow. And um, and so and then they sped it up, you know, and they're like, oh, well, we, we, you know, we don't know how to do crushing blow inputs. Oh, well, we can throw that in the that's a very different problem than you have eight frames of input lag, which is probably three or four more than would be acceptable for most people. And um, and also when you put your game out there, even in development, ask Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. If you show something that people are that people care a lot about, and hey, people care a lot about input lag, they also care a lot about character design. You put something out there when the game's not even released yet; it's just in development. 
they will lock onto that. That will be their first impression, and first impressions are damn hard to get over. Yep. So, yes, you're right. It is a trial period. Yes, this is because you expect to have bugs. It's like, hey, this is my first draft. But there are certain things where even in your first draft, you better be okay because or you better have figured out because people will pass judgment and it's like is that fair maybe not but it doesn't matter it's the it's the law of the jungle right now and um and your game can die before it's even released if people don't have faith in it because of something like this so my best wishes to samurai showdown but they definitely have themselves in a pickle right now i hope they come out of it i hope that this doesn't have too bad of an effect i hope they fix the input lag but uh but yeah a word of warning to everybody else following yeah, um, we're the fighting game community. We're hardcore about certain things, and this is something we, we, we've shown in our history we're going to be hardcore about. you got to fix it. If you want to be serious in our community, you better fix this. Um, we didn't let Capcom off on this. We're not going to let SNK off on it either. And there it is. So, um, But moving along here, we, uh, we have a mailbag uh, question that came in, and it's from a player who plays Ryu. And uh, he reached out to, to both of us, and I wanted uh, you to kind of fill in the blanks here for our listeners. Yeah, so um, Escalips, I believe I'm saying that right, hopefully, uh, sent us a uh, message saying, hey, thanks for doing the podcast and such. He listens to it. So, hey, thanks for listening to it. Um, and asked, uh, well, said this, you spent a lot of time dissecting the current top tiers in podcasts in 2019, but you haven't really discussed the characters who don't show up in tournaments recently. I'm curious to how the current bottom and low tiers could be improved. I'm a Ryu player myself, and while Ryu received significant buffs in Season 4, he is still completely gone from the tournament scene despite being the face of the franchise. Anyways, thank you again for your hard work, Escalips. Well, uh, yeah, so we can talk about Ryu for, for a little while. I don't think either of us are, are super Ryu experts, and then also one of the reasons why you kind of tackle generalized top tiers as opposed to bottom tiers um, is because it's a little more efficient in that like, if you nerf Akuma, everybody kind of feels that. But if you buff Ryu or Alex, it's just Ryu or Alex that's kind of feeling that at that point, right? Climbing the, the tier list. Right. And uh, I, just to jump in here, like specifically about Akuma, there are a number of people who played Ryu and they have switched over to Akuma because why play Ryu when I can play Akuma? That's and, actually a big part of my answer. <laughs> yeah. It's, and uh, so, yeah, please, please continue. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm not certain. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking and spitballing. Okay. Like, so if the goal is to, one, it is to make Ryu better, but I think what you're asking here is um, we, we want to see them more more often in tournament. We want to see people have a reason to use them. And I think Ryu has especially felt the, uh, the wrath of Akuma in that he's like not distinct enough because they're both Shotos where a lot of the people that were playing Ryu is just like, hey, I want to win more, so I'm going to go over to Akuma. He does anything that Ryu can do, but he does it more efficiently and i would argue that akuma is a little flashier in it because ryu is a ryu is about as vanilla as it gets when it comes to street fighter right everybody that it kind of started with ryu and then it expanded there so i mean it's cool he can throw fireballs out of his hand and he can do dragon punch uppercuts but that's cool at the beginning now everybody else can do it but akuma can do it and his turn purple and he can throw him from the air and and you know ken's light you on fire so there's a little bit more flair to most other characters um that's a little kind of factor in all of this but it is something right so ryu a little bit more vanilla so you're gonna have to have uh, a pretty strong reason for people to play the character and um i think about what would make ryu more fun to play 
um, not breaking him, but like what could you give him that gives him more of an identity? Because if one of his main problems is that, well, first of all, he was so low tier, it didn't work out. Well, they've buffed him a lot. They've been trying to bring him back up and, and like he you know stated here in the mailbag segment that uh, he got significant buffs here in season four, but it still hasn't been enough to get people to jump back over to him. So uh, he probably needs a little something more. So I would be careful because it'd be really easy to give him too much. Uh, but you think about well, what is the character like fundamentally? What is what is fun to do with Ryu? What's like the go-to game plan? And I think the answer to that is one, he can uh, he throws fireballs and does uppercuts, and the other is that he does low forward into fireballs. Those are some pretty main Ryu staples that like you implement into your game plan and you kind of base your play around. And I think like, well, what has a character that, um, or has there been an example of a character that plays like that, that has been good, that has been fun to play, that has gotten people to want to play them? Um, And I would say that maybe what you might start is kind of have a goal in mind. And that character that would be kind of your standard for the goal would be something like Guile when he was good. Uh, when he was like like last season when he was like one of the top five now guile was too good guile was too good on too many fronts so you wouldn't want to go that far but i would use the kind of guile model of well he's a character that was good from far away with his zoning and his fireballs and his anti-airs he could also rush you down and he was also decently scary from the mid-range he was all over the place and ryu is that kind of character right like he might not be amazing at any of those one things but he's he's very well-rounded and so I think about those things and, and right now um, I go, well, maybe something in his low forward fireball kind of game would be something where you could buff him up a little bit. My first thought was a little bit of a buff to walk speed, but that's so strong to give someone that I was a little scared to do that. Like even a little tweak there to make his footsies more efficient might be too much because it affects so much of his gameplay. So I'm thinking more of just like, if he can get something significant off of a low forward into fireball, because one, like it's cool because you're confirming the low forward. Maybe you can't do it on block, but if he does it on hit, he gets something significant. Maybe like a, a V trigger cancel that really means something like a, a significant damage combo that comes off of it. Something along those lines that makes doing that kind of a approach fun, something along those lines. Uh, I, you might buff his fireball uppercut game a little more, but they already have done that by reducing the recovery on his fireballs, and it still doesn't seem to be enough to get people to want to play him. So uh, it's hard. It's It seems like it's fairly late in the game now for Street Fighter V, and the character kind of just gets edged out by Akuma, and it's like, well, make him better than Akuma, well, that's a bigger problem than, than it begins with. But I would start by doing something and buffing his um, his footsies in low forward fireball specifically, making that more attractive one way or another, buffing the frame data on it, buffing what he can get out of it, something like that. Because it is cool to try to like, you know, wiggle around and try to catch your opponent with a low forward. And then if you do that successfully to get a reward off of it. One of Ryu's biggest problems is that he doesn't get much reward off of the things that he earns. So something in that vein is where I would start. But like I say, I'm not an expert. I don't play the character regularly. I did at the very beginning of Street Fighter V, but that that was many moons ago. So um, that's where I would begin with things and maybe get the conversation started, dig in to find out where the holes in that are and, and what maybe kind of remains after you burn it all away and might be an actual lead. So I hope that that gets the conversation started, like I say, and I hope that was ample for a response. I'll jump in here actually at a couple bits. So we did talk about, you know, the, the big problem with, with Ryu is he's like a lesser version of Akuma. And you look over at the frame data and a bunch of other things you see, it's a, 
pretty strong issue. And and so you you have a couple of ways you can go here. One, dropping Akuma down in power is going to make Ryu like that much more appealing for people, right? Um I don't think he's a super low tier character in this version of Street Fighter Five. I think he's like low mid tier, um, but I don't think he's like super low tier, right? Mm-hmm. Um and then looking over at his moveset, like I look at stuff like Akuma's uh, Shuruk and his DP, and he does on his medium and heavy versions, he does 120 damage um, when he hits you with that as anti-air. And you look over at Ryu, and he does 60 damage on all of them, except for, uh, like, you know, if he's in V-Trigger, right, he does 80. Um, And it's like, like, what are you doing? And so, yeah, I get it. Like, a staple of Ryu is doing his fireballs, um, you know, and getting people to jump at you. And But your reward for shurikening someone, like, when they jump at you is so much less, right? Unless you're getting, like, and I should back up and say, like, it's from frame two or three. If you get, like, if you hit someone during that window as an anti-air, which is really tight timing, um, you're getting the full, you know, 120 um, or higher damage or whatever, right? But usually when you anti-air someone with a, a DP, you're getting 60 damage, which is less than some of the normals that people anti-air with. Monat has really crappy um, anti-air damage, and hers is 80. And like that's an, like usually it's 90 for most characters anti-air. So you're looking at one of his staples right there, and you're going, "What the hell, Capcom? Like, why did you why did you make Akuma's better in that regard? This is a staple of Ryu, and it's like it was infamous for a long time where um, you know Akuma had a, a better fireball game, he had better normals, he had like everything was better, and that's a huge issue." here that we're looking at just Ryu does not have enough advantages that are defined to really get him over there and, and again the the DP is somewhere I definitely would start here um Ryu is notorious for making you jump through his fireballs and then you know hitting you with the DP because you did that and knocking your ass back and you having to go through the minefield again right mm-hmm. um but the fact that his DP does 60 damage in so many anti-air situations it's not fully invincible which is fine you know that's how this stuff works now um but it's just like that's what you're rewarding people with I get it it's the knockback too it's you know the meter gain all that kind of stuff but 60 damage Capcom really that's your that's what you're doing there and and so I I, I that's where I, I would personally start that it's stuff like that where you really have to look at the advantages that Akuma has and how good of a character he is as a Shoto, and he's really damn good. He's so good. He's again, we're asking him to be knocked down, right? Um, and start taking some of those advantages and transposing them onto Ryu. Even if you keep like, I don't have a huge issue with Akuma. I've talked about it before, but even just giving Ryu some of the same advantages would be, go a long way in making him a much better character that's more well played. Because uh, a lot of people want to play him. You know, a lot of people really love this character as they should. He's the you know the franchise poster boy, um, and, and so that's why I would start. Yeah, and he's got like I said a, a handful of decent buffs. You got like the Jodong kick, the donkey kick, mm-hmm. and um, and the buffs to his fireballs and such. So he's probably like right there, at least in certain avenues where just a little bit more of an oomph would put him over that edge. Um, and and I've faced a handful of Ryu's online that very much knew what they were doing, that yes. have beaten me, that like, so it's not like you can't get stuff going with the character. It's not as easy to get stuff going with the character than it is with other Shotos, and that's a problem, right? But um, yeah, I, I think that it's possible if Capcom uh, makes further balance adjustments to this game that we could see Ryu uh, climbing up to it in an even more respectable spot than he's at now, so... But, uh, but yeah, big shout-outs to Escalypse for, for sending this in. We encourage anybody else, hey, if you have something that you'd like us to directly address, uh, we'd love to hear from you, and, and we'll try to get to as many as we can. Um, I guess you can do that by tweeting us, um, either Catalyst or myself, and there are um, links to our Twitters uh, here in the, the Event Hub's article about this, and, and you can find us uh, there. And uh, just do hashtag Event Hub's Mailbag, 
and uh, and we'll know to uh, to bring this up and we'll try to get to as many as we can. So, hey, any other questions like this, feel free to send them our way. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, thank you all for listening and we'll see you guys soon. Right, thanks, guys. Devil dick, devil dick, devil dick.